Welcome to AJHP Voices, a series of discussions with AJHP authors and interviews focused on contemporary issues that drive health outcomes. AJHP is the official journal of ASHP. Its mission is to advance science, pharmacy practice, and health outcomes. This is William Zelmer for AJHP Voices. I'm speaking with Douglas Shekelhoff, Senior Vice President, ASHP Office of Practice Advancement, about the 2016 edition of the ASHP National Survey of Pharmacy Practice in Hospital Settings. Co-authors of this paper are Craig Peterson of Virginia Mason Medical Center in Seattle and Philip Schneider of the College of Pharmacy, University of Arizona. Doug, uh, remind us, what types of hospitals are covered and what types are not included in this annual survey? Well, the national survey is sent to a sampling of general, medical, surgical, and children's hospitals in the United States. It does not include federal facilities such as the VA or military hospitals, and it does also not include specialty, long-term acute care, or rehabilitation hospitals. And this is the same sampling methodology that we've used for many years, and therefore it allows us to do trending and comparison of results over time. Sure. Well, as you say, the survey has been going on for many years now, and uh, it's focused on six components of the medication use process, uh, prescribing, transcribing, dispensing, administration, monitoring, and patient education. Two components are covered each year, and the 2016 survey covered prescribing and transcribing. What facets of these two components were surveyed? From the prescribing standpoint, we asked a number of questions that relate to uh, how the pharmacist interfaces with the prescriber and more specifically around the use of the formulary and how uh, the pharmacy interfaces with the P&T committee. From a transcribing standpoint, it was really the methods used to get the medication order to the pharmacy. And in addition to prescribing and transcribing steps, we also had questions about safe practices, transitions of care, ambulatory care pharmacy services, and just overall pharmacy demographics. Mm -hmm. Well, Doug, I wondered, given the prevalence of computerized prescriber order entry in inpatient settings, does transcribing continue to be an important function to track? Well, it, it may not in, in the future. You know, results from the survey this year indicate that now over 90% of hospitals have CPOE and receive nearly all of their medication orders directly through that system with the remaining hospitals having just a, a variety of ways or other mechanisms to get their uh, medication orders. It, it's really been amazing to see how quickly this has flipped though. You know, just 10 years ago, only about 5% of hospitals were receiving medication orders through CPOE with the bulk of orders coming on paper, through fax machines, or through the, the digital capture type of devices. But the shift towards CPOE has been a major step towards uh, forward in improving medication safety and reducing errors. Order entry errors in the pharmacy are eliminated. Order legibility should no longer be an issue. Plus, the timeliness of getting the orders uh, into the pharmacy are, is, is much, much better. Yeah, that really does seem like a major advance. Well, you mentioned uh, how hospitals uh, are doing with respect to CPOE. What can you say about uh, the extent of implementing electronic health records? 
Based on our survey, virtually all hospitals, over 99%, report that they have implemented electronic health records or EHRs in some form, and about 40% are reporting that they have complete use of, of the EHR in all patient care settings and all environments. And the percentage using EHRs continues to grow every year that we survey. And as it grows, the benefits associated with uh, related technologies only grows as well. Mm -hmm. As I understand it, for the first time, the survey asked about CPOE, EHR functionality related to the formulary system, formulary system management. Uh, what were the most important findings here from your perspective? It was interesting to see how hospitals were using the new functionality afforded through their EHR and CPOE systems. And although not all hospitals were doing so, nearly three-fourths were using their system to help with utilization of their formulary. And in, in most cases, this was as simple as limiting medication choices in the system to only formulary drugs. But in some cases, the system also redirected non-formulary orders to the preferred formulary alternative. Many also used the system to manage formulary restrictions and access to drug, drug shortage, and cost information was also a feature that was used by many. There's little doubt that the functionality of these systems and the sophistication will improve over time, but it was encouraging to see how the systems were able to transmit basic information and prevent the need for a phone call from the pharmacist in, in many cases. Well, I noticed that the survey asked respondents about any shift over the past three years between formularies with tight restrictions and formularies with few restrictions. Uh, what did you find in that regard and what's your interpretation of those results? You know, generally a subjective question, but we really were, were seeking uh, an assessment from the pharmacy director on how tight or restrictive they perceived their formulary to be. And nearly two-thirds indicated that they perceived their formulary to be limited and that they had tight restrictions over non-formulary medication use. And when we asked them about changes in their formulary over the past three years, over 40% said that it has become only more restrictive over that time. So our conclusion was that the significant cost of many medications, both new and old, is leading pharmacies to bolster efforts to use formulary techniques to direct prescribing towards more cost-effective agents and, when possible, uh, just to manage their overall drug expense. Mm -hmm. Doug, what do the survey results tell us about the extent and the depth of pharmacists' responsibility for drug therapy management in hospitals? Well, we have queried hospitals about the pharmacist's role in managing specific drug therapies for many years, and these are usually medication therapies that require special monitoring or dosing, such as vancomycin, aminoglycosides, uh, anticoagulants, or other drugs that require adjustment for renal impairment. And what we've seen is that uh, there's just been continued growth in pharmacists managing these therapies over time. Vancomycin is the most common, but anticoagulants, aminoglycosides, and dosage adjustment for renal impairment are also very common. And to us, this change acknowledges the value that pharmacists bring in managing uh, these therapies and how the activity is being delegated by prescribers to pharmacists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, I'm interested in the concept of auto-verification, which was defined in the survey as a medication order becoming active without review by a pharmacist based on previously approved criteria. Tell us what you found in that regard. Uh, well, along with other features of CPOE, we wanted to know whether hospitals were still requiring that the pharmacist review all medication orders before the first dose is administered. And auto-verification by the CPOE system is a feature that could save pharmacist time for the review and approval of some non-critical medication orders, but it could also remove the pharmacist from situations where their review could catch and address prescribing errors. And what we found was that about half of hospitals were using auto-verification in some fashion. And of those who do, a majority chose to auto-verify all orders from a specific area, such as the emergency department, for example. Mm -hmm. A smaller percentage chose to auto-verify select orders from a specific area. And the example here would be just pain medications from the emergency department. So some medications, one uh, area or, or a geographical area. And then a relatively small percentage used auto-verify for things like comfort air, uh, orders, such as as-needed acetaminophen for pain or antacid of choice type of orders that are relatively simple orders with little complexity and, and probably don't have as much value added from uh, a pharmacist review. Well, Doug, what do you predict the trend will be for auto-verification over the next several years? That's a good question. You know, we were somewhat surprised by the result that, that came back on the survey, not requiring any pharmacist review, even if just for a limited area does introduce risk for prescribing errors uh, and, and it takes away that, that safety net. We found it to be more common in very small hospitals where uh, resources and hours of service might be limited, but it was used in larger hospitals as well. You know, our conclusion was that this practice needs to be evaluated further so that these systems improve medication safety through order review, not just automate it. So it's hard for me to really predict what's going to change around this in the future. I think systems will become more sophisticated than they are now, looking to additional criteria and patient-specific parameters, but it's difficult to say how soon those systems will be able to do that in a more efficient way. But the, the end result really is to focus on, on safety and what makes the most sense from a safe medication use perspective. Doug, uh, give us a sense of trends with respect to pharmacy department responsibility for medication histories upon patient admission and medication counseling upon discharge. Well, we're seeing pharmacists and pharmacy technicians be much more involved in transitions of care processes. More hospitals, for example, are using pharmacy technicians in the collection of the medication list upon admission. And the pharmacist is very commonly using medication lists as part of the overall medication reconciliation process. We did not ask who has the primary responsibility for medication reconciliation in this survey, but for in previous years, we've learned that nurses still play a, a significant role there. On the discharge side, nearly half of hospitals have pharmacists involved in discharge counseling on medication. And this is a, a pretty significant increase from when we surveyed this just four years ago. We've also found that many more hospitals are trying to facilitate successful transitions related to medications, including filling the discharge prescription, 
facilitating or actively handing off uh, the prescriptions or, or patient to a pharmacy in the community, or uh, in some cases conducting prior authorizations for those medications where that's required. Patients having access to medications when they arrive at home and understanding how to take them is an important part of a successful transitions and can avoid unnecessary readmission. And what we found was that pharmacy departments are taking an increasing role in making this happen successfully. Doug, we know from recent ASHB surveys that about 40% of hospitals have pharmacists practicing in their ambulatory care clinics. The most recent survey asked about the objectives of practice leaders for placing pharmacists in clinics. What were the key findings here? Well, we, we asked pharmacy directors, uh, we gave them a whole list of potential reasons, and, and what we found was that the top reason for placing pharmacists in the clinics was really around overall quality improvement related to medication use. Other common reasons included a desire to reduce readmissions related to medication-related factors or emergency department visits and pharmacists' ability to manage patients on chronic diseases requiring medications was also noted by many of the pharmacy directors. Uh, less common reasons included a desire to improve medication adherence, which surprised us a bit, making better use of physician time in the clinic, and reducing errors and reducing cost also showed up on the list. Mm -hmm. uh, interestingly, uh, the potential for revenue through billing for the pharmacist visit in the clinic was a minor consideration with only about 20% citing this as a reason for putting the pharmacist in that, in that setting. Yeah, that is interesting. What can you say about the scope of pharmacist practice in clinics in addition to what you've already commented on? You know, let me mention the types of clinics where pharmacists are most commonly practicing. So the most common remains anticoagulation clinics, and, and that has been the most common for some time, followed by oncology clinics, medication therapy management clinics, and then by cardiovascular hypertension type of clinics. And it's probably not a big surprise that pharmacists are involved at a much higher rate in big hospitals and large health systems than in, than in smaller ones. Uh, regarding their scope of practice, the most common activity is monitoring patient response to drug therapy, adverse events, and overall adherence. And then that showed up as, as the number one type of activity. Pharmacists are also responsible for developing strategies to optimize outcomes of therapy. About two-thirds have prescribing authority to manage medication use, often through a collaborative uh, type protocol. Most also have the authority to order and interpret lab tests and perform patient assessments. And overall, we found that most reported a pretty broad scope of practice with very few limitations. Doug, uh, what did this survey show about the business relationships between hospitals and community pharmacies, particularly chain drugstore corporations, since some of them are actively pursuing hospital business? Yeah. Well, you know, first of all, to improve the transitions of care, you know, hospitals are seeking ways to uh, make sure patients have access to their medications when they get home. And uh, we know from, from this survey and previous surveys, only about 30% of hospitals have their own outpatient pharmacy that might dispense discharge prescriptions, and those are usually in larger hospitals. So clearly that's not an option for many hospitals, especially smaller locations. About 40% of hospitals have formed relationships with either chain or community pharmacies as a means of facilitating access, either post-discharge 
or for their ambulatory patients. The most common relationship was with contract pharmacies that are able to provide access for 340B eligible patients. About a fourth of those with some type of relationship used the community pharmacy to provide discharge prescriptions and facilitate patient transition back into their home environment. In this case, the prescription would be filled at the community pharmacy and then delivered to the hospital or made available to the patient before they left. About 20% had a chain or community pharmacy physically located on the hospital grounds to make patient access easier, maybe in their lobby or, or adjacent to the hospital. And about 10% allowed either community or chain pharmacies access to the hospital's EHR system so that uh, those uh, outside pharmacists could review the discharge orders, prescriptions, and, and see you know, the patient's principal diagnosis and other information that would be relevant to the handoff and the prescriptions that they were uh, preparing to, to fill for that patient. Well, Doug, as we uh, draw our conversation to a close here, I want to ask you this. Uh, as you reflect on trends over the last two complete cycles of the ASHP National Survey, in other words, results over the past six years, what stands out as particularly notable advances with respect to the safe, effective, and cost-conscious use of medicines from your perspective? Looking over the last six years, you know, the most notable by far would be the rapid adoption of automation and technology related to the medication use process, the use of CPOE, automated dispensing, barcoded medication administration, and smart pumps has just grown dramatically. Each of these will have a significant impact on the safe use of medicines, but also on how pharmacists spend their time allowing more of their time to be focused on direct patient care. Other positive trends uh, relate to pharmacist involvement with patient care and their association with the patient care team. The prevalence of this activity grows each time we survey around it, as importantly, the growing role of pharmacists and medication management-related activities. We've also mm -hmm. seen considerable activity in ambulatory care. Although the, the percentage of hospitals with pharmacists and clinics is relatively flat, and it, it's primarily happening in, in larger hospitals. Overall resources, uh, including the number of budgeted positions, continues to grow. With that, we see expanding roles for pharmacists in specific clinical patient care areas. Uh, we also see growth in other new and evolving areas like informatics and, and population-based health. So overall, the, you know, the survey really points to a bright future for the practice of pharmacy in hospitals and health systems. Well, let's flip this around and let me ask you uh, sort of the, the opposite question. What areas would you nominate as perhaps requiring the most attention by practice leaders for the next several years as we continue to try to uh, improve the overall performance of the pharmacy enterprise? In addition to many of the things that we've discussed today, we also follow pharmacist training and credentialing, and we also uh, track the percentage of pharmacy technicians who have been trained and are, are certified through PTCB, and, and overall those trends are positive. You know, a few things that do stand out, though, within that area, the number of hospitals or the percentage of hospitals that have a formal privileging and credentialing process is relatively low and, and has been relatively flat for a number of years that we've surveyed around that. And so I think that's an area where it would help as pharmacists expand their scope of practice and are doing more within hospitals. 
for hospitals to step back and, and reassess whether they should have a system like that in place. The other area, again, comes back to pharmacy technicians. They've been taking on additional roles, which has been positive, but their level of training has really not changed very much. And, you know, what we've found for many, many years is that the predominant way that pharmacy technicians are trained is through on-the-job training, which if you look at the type of medications they're handling, the new roles they're taking on, on-the-job training just won't suffice for the future. And so having those technicians complete accredited training programs and then become certified by PTCB is, is really an essential step. And then either licensed or registered through their board of pharmacy is going to be an important step, especially as we look towards the future and, and all the, the activities that they'll be involved in and the nature of, of drugs and other products that they'll be, they'll be handling. So those are areas that I think are certainly ripe for improvement. Very good. I appreciate you taking time to have this conversation with me. We've touched on just a few, I guess, of the major findings in the latest survey. So uh, listeners, I know, will be interested in this. Uh, thanks for your time. I've been speaking with Douglas Shekelhoff, ASHP Senior Vice President, about the 2016 edition of the ASHP National Survey of Pharmacy Practice in Hospital Settings. This is William Zelmer. Thank you for listening. That concludes this interview. For more information about AJHP, the premier source for impactful, relevant, and cutting-edge professional and scientific content that drives optimal medication use and health outcomes, please visit www.ajhp.org.